that have been around for a while, the call to worship kind of invites us into what it is we're going to be um, listening to or being challenged with or being encouraged with on a given morning. And uh, I had planned for about a week to have some lyrics to a song be the start of our series. And the song that I chose, I was kind of praying through what song I would use, but it was this song, it's a, it's a great hymn. And it is called, It Is Well With My Soul. If you are familiar with those lyrics, uh, they are powerful lyrics that speak about uh, peace in the midst of tragedy and difficulty. And yet, I felt as I was preparing this morning that those words wouldn't be sufficient. Or at least another way of saying it is I felt like I couldn't say those words with any genuine sincerity in part because it doesn't feel well with my soul. As many of you are probably aware at this point, there was a shooting yesterday in El Paso, Texas. It was near the Texas border with Mexico. The shooting took place in a Walmart that's frequented by first-generation Mexican-Americans, by Hispanic people, Mexicans who cross the border to shop and then go back to their hometown, and uh, the most recent details about the shooting, as I'm sure you've seen, there were at least 20 people killed and another 40 or so wounded. Now, what makes this shooting any different than any of the other shootings that seem to happen on a weekly basis? I think for me, it's twofold. First reason that this one feels a little different to me is because it's pretty closely connected to some people that I love. Now, many of you know Allison Conrad Schulte, who was on staff here at New Community for several years. Her, her husband, Spencer, uh, they're both down in El Paso, Texas, working in the military, working at hospitals locally in a residency program to become a surgeon. Yesterday, Spencer spent most of his day triaging people from that incident. He was a part of the hospital closest to the shooting. And so person after person after person came in and they had to determine within minutes, can we save this one or not? Do we save this one enough for surgery tomorrow or do we immediately send this one to another hospital for instant surgery? And then today will be a day of surgery after surgery where they are working on broken bodies. And yet, knowing that the thing that's probably most broken in El Paso is souls, hearts, lives. And that takes much, much longer to heal. I think I also feel more connection to this one, not just because there are people we know and love present on the ground, doing something about it, but because 20 minutes before the shooting first started to take place, the suspected and apprehended shooter posted white supremacist manifesto on an online platform. This was an attack generated by hate. It was a sign of violence against a particular race, against people of color, And it was propped up and supported, I believe, by a nation that is currently incredibly divided. The climate that we sit in is one in which there is fear in our nation. 
and we, instead of dealing with the fear, are only pouring more gasoline on it. Even locally, if you consider the race for mayor, some of the most pressing issues, some of the things that the platform will be built on are built on fear, fear of a homeless population, or fear of people of color described and treated poorly, especially as it relates to immigration. We, as a nation, have to deal with the us versus them mentality. We have so much of it in our country, whether it's a shooting of gay men in a nightclub or Hispanic people in El Paso or any host of shooting where it declares a difference between two groups of people. Last night I went to bed thinking about it, praying about it, and this morning I woke up at 4.30 a.m. I turned my phone on to see what is the latest news about El Paso, only to find that between the time I went to bed and woke up this morning, there's another mass shooting in Dayton, Ohio, with another nine people dead and another 26 injured. As a man put on body armor, walked into a crowded area, and began to shoot up anyone on site. That was the 250th mass shooting of 2019. We have a divided nation and a nation that is prone to fear and exhibiting that through violence. And this morning is not some political call to action, it is a call to prayer. It's an invitation to plead with God for shalom, for peace, for wholeness, for healing for our nation, and for him to remove anyone propagating hate or standing in the way of unity. So this morning, I invite you to prayer. And before we get into the album series, let's just take a moment and be silent, listen, and then I'll call us out of that by reading some song lyrics from a different song, and then uh, we'll begin with a liturgy. So let's pray. I'm going to read some of the lyrics from a song by Leonard Cohen called Come Healing. Oh, gather up the brokenness and bring it to me now, the fragrance of these promises you never dared to vow. The splinters that you carry, the cross you left behind, come healing of the body, come healing of the mind. Behold the gates of mercy in arbitrary space, and none of us deserving the cruelty or the grace. O solitude of longing where love has been confined, come healing of the body, come healing of the mind. 
Oh, see the darkness yielding that tore the light apart. Come healing of the reason. Come healing of the heart. O longing of the branches to lift the little bud. O longing of the arteries to purify the blood. And let the heavens hear it, the penitential hymn. Come healing of the spirit. Come healing of the limb. Would you stand with me? We'll read this liturgy together. I'll read the part that's light if you would read the dark. New community, friends, brothers and sisters, family. We join together this morning with hearts made heavy by recent traumas, recent wounds, recent violence. Lord God. And we pray this together. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. If you would, be seated. Um, this might be a hard transition, but I've been asked to give a few words on the start of the series. So I'm going to transition from that moment, take a deep breath, and uh, I'm going to try to answer very briefly why this series, why the album series, why did we intend to do a month focused on music and the power of music. Um, the short answer is this. Over a year ago, as we were praying as staff and elders, we were captivated by the idea of how music engages us as people, how music is a universal language. Music, as you know, can take you back to a moment in time. It can cause you to recall a friendship, an event, or a loved one. Music uh, makes our bodies move. It changes our internal chemistry. It can bring a connection with other people. It sets the mood for dinner, causes you not to freak out when you're on an elevator. It's used to walk brides down aisles and to start off first dances. Music, as we know, can change a mood. Sometimes when you feel a particular way, you turn on music to adjust the way you feel. And so suddenly you begin to have your mind and your emotions change in ways that motivate you differently. Other times you can listen to music and it just simply mirrors the way that we already feel. Sometimes we'll listen to a song. It might be a cold and rainy day. It feels a bit uh, dampened like our spirits and we find ourselves listening to music that just reinforces the very way we feel. Songs are also something that we often share. We give it to someone else because it's meaningful to us in some way. Some of you can probably relate to this. Others of you will have no clue. But back in the day, as I was dating Shannon, I would make some mixtapes. Yeah, mixtapes with favorite songs. And those songs 
would either be songs that like I want to introduce her to, like, man, you're going to love this song. It's amazing. Or songs that communicated my feelings for her. Then I would move from mixtapes into burning CDs. We went through that phase for a while. And then now it's like passing on playlists or sending her a link or the like, right? We're used to songs being something that has deep resonance between us and others. But I think songs also speak to the complexity of who we are as humans. If you start to go through like the Rolodex of songs in your mind that you enjoy or like or listen to on a regular basis, it can be quite wide and diverse. I was thinking this week about uh, just the, the way I grew up around music. Um, many of you know I had different sets of friends throughout high school. So I had friends I went to high school with that uh, didn't go to church. Then I had a set of friends that were my church friends that never interacted with my high school friends. Then I had soccer friends because I was on a couple different soccer teams. And so those friends never mingled. So I had like five different sets along with my family. And all of us enjoyed music, but their music began to influence my music. And so when I was with my parents, I could sing every hymn in church by heart. Uh, my parents, my dad would listen to this a cappella men's Christian group, okay? It was like Phaetonics for Christians or something, right? And so no, no music, just voices, and he would listen to it, and I had all those songs memorized. When my dad wasn't around and my mom was driving the car, she would rock Barry Manilow's Greatest Hits. That's right. I could sing every one of Barry Manilow's Greatest Hits. Not that you'd want to, but I, I could. I had another friend who was big into the oldies. And so I could, like, sing all kinds of classic songs uh, from back in the day. And then another friend who was digging Billy Joel and Tom Petty. And so I could sing every Billy Joel and Tom Petty song. Then when I was with my other set of friends, it was like Led Zeppelin and Van Morrison. And then when I went and hung out with my Christian friends, it was like Stephen Curtis Chapman, Jars of Clay, right? And so it, it, all of that is just so wide and diverse. But then the thing that captured me the most was rap and hip-hop. And so the smorgasbord of songs that I could sing and listen to uh, was crazy. It's hard to think about the, the, the range of songs, but you could all do the same. Things that you enjoy or don't like, things that your friends used to listen to that invoke something in you. But I was struck this week at how music is also incredibly biblical. Not only is it woven throughout the text, not only are there whole sections of music and poetry ones that we consider the hymn book of our faith, ones that like honestly rain, shine, good mood, bad mood, we go to because they're like so true and resonate with us so deeply. And those are songs. The authors are communicating words and metaphors that connect with us. And today's authors and artists are writing words and metaphors that connect us to song, which connect us back to the text. The number of times I listen to a song and I'm reminded of love for others or love of God is amazing. I even thought this week uh, of a couple artists that maybe you've heard that might draw you back to the text. Dave Matthews says, so why would you care to get out of this place 
you and me and all our friends, such a happy human race. Eat, drink, and be merry, for tomorrow we die. Eat, drink, and be merry, for tomorrow we die. He's quoting from three or four passages, two of which I listed, speaking to that very idea of live for the moment. It is Ecclesiastes through and through. Or my son the other week was listening to young thug J. Cole and Travis Scott singing London. And when the song came on, a little phrase came up that I heard that I was like, that's an amazing phrase. He said 6-1 on the money, 9-2. For those of you not familiar with 6-1 on the money, 9-2, basically he is saying I'm 6-1, but when I stand on my stacks of cash, I'm 9-2, right? Here's another way of saying that. King Solomon, 1 Kings 10, 14 to 20, 29, he's like, I've got fat stacks. That's what he's saying for like 10 verses. He's saying, I only drink out of gold. I make silver as simple as dust. I have the biggest throne in the world. All kings come to me and give me stuff. Like, he's just, all he's doing is rapping. All he's doing is just saying, this is my stuff. This is who I am, right? It's an identity thing. Modern translation, 6-1 on the money, 9-2. Another example would be Beyonce and Jay-Z speaking of their marital intimacy. We get to the point where he says to her in the song, we sex again in the morning, your breast this is my breakfast, we go in, we be all night, speaking to how long they will be together. It's no different than Song of Solomon. If you read through Song of Solomon, the only big difference, if we're being honest, is this, that Beyonce and Jay-Z are married, Song of Solomon is really primarily a picture of two lovers not married. That's the biggest difference between the two, right? We see all the time that music is referring us back to, in weird ways, metaphors and descriptions that the text is speaking to us about. And my hope is that we, as we're mesmerized by music, will be mesmerized by the text, will be mesmerized by stories. And I am uh, incredibly grateful for the people leading this morning. They have put so much time and effort and energy and prayer into our service. And I'm excited uh, for how this will resonate with us. Uh, I'm going to pray and then Tara's going to come and share a few words as we uh, jump into our service this morning. God, we need you. We are excited about what you are doing in our midst, the ways that you are challenging us as a community. I pray that you'd be with the youth this morning as they're serving on the streets and uh, in loving neighbors and creating beauty. I pray that uh, you would inspire them this morning and then through this service, inspire us. May we worship you with more fervency. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Don't think, oh, there we are. Um, well, as Russ said, John and Bobby and I are each going to be sharing a few thoughts on music. Uh, we've also chosen songs that pertain to some of these thoughts that we will be singing together or playing for you. Um, just songs that are meaningful to us and have impacted the way that we think of God and the way that we view life. So this was actually a pretty difficult task for me. I've been struggling with this over the past couple weeks because music is so 
deeply personal and so deeply tied to my soul and tied to everything about my life that it was it was hard to narrow down um, five minutes worth of coherent thoughts about the subject of music. So I've decided to just share with you a bit of my musical background and how I use music as a tool to worship God in my daily life. Um, so as long as I can remember, I have loved God and I have loved music. Uh, when my parents got married, they were brand new Christians and my mom loved church music. She did not grow up um, in a Christian home and so for her going to church and hearing these songs and using music to praise God was just a really big deal to her. Uh, she doesn't sing. She doesn't have a beautiful voice. And so when she was pregnant with me, she prayed over me that I would love Jesus and that I would be able to sing. And so, li like I said, music has been ingrained in me since before I can remember. So I really feel that God did that for my mom, that he allowed me to be a singer and be a performer and all of that as a way of honoring um, my mom's love for him. Um, one of my earliest memories pertaining to music is when I was nine years old. Disney's Beauty and the Beast came out and we got to go see it in the theater, which was a really big deal because we couldn't afford a lot of movies at the theater. And I remember going to watch Disney's Beauty and the Beast and I was so moved by the story and how it was told through music that I left the theater crying, which is not unusual for me because I cry all the time about everything. But I remember being nine years old and just crying over the emotion that was portrayed in this movie. And I decided then and there that I was going to be the voice of a Disney princess someday. Hasn't happened, but I'm still young enough and I'm hopeful that they're going to give me a call. Another memory is similar to what Russ shared. Um, I grew up in a church that, at least for the first 10 to 12 years of my life, we only sang hymns from a hymnal. Very conservative, Midwest, beautiful church. Um, but I remember loving that. I loved going to church. I loved holding a hymnal. I loved the four-part harmonies. I loved reading through the lyrics, most of which I didn't understand, but they were beautiful. Um, our church had an organist, and our organ was, was facing the congregation, so we would always try to get there early enough to where we could sit right about here, and we could watch the organist play, because she was unbelievable. And so all, all, of those, all of those memories and those just ties to church music and to hymns uh, were really foundational for me in teaching me how to worship God. Uh, as I got older, I got into theater and performing. I remember making my little brother do plays with me in our basement, and I, of course, wrote the play. I directed it. I starred in it. And he was the little peon that, you know, I got to boss around. He did whatever I told him. Um, as I got older, I performed quite a bit through middle school and high school. And when I went to college, I spent the first couple years uh, pursuing a theater performance degree. Um, I just loved, I loved expressing myself through songs. And 
I loved show tunes because of the depth of emotion that was conveyed in them. You could have something super silly and upbeat and fun like Music Man, or you could have something uh, like Memory from Cats that would just rip your heart out and express things that you probably feel but don't know how to put words to. Uh, music has taught me to think about God and the world and human existence differently. Uh, through theater, I learned that the world is not as black and white as I was raised to believe it was. I started performing with people that were very different from me, had very different backgrounds, and I was able to see the beauty and the brokenness in my fellow castmates. Um, you know, the just the, the humanness in people that weren't Christians by the standards I was raised with. Um, and theater really helped me become a little less afraid of the other. Again, mirroring, mirroring what Russ was saying this morning. Um, through theater and music, I just understood a little deeper that we are all one, that we are all connected, and that we all are image bearers of God. Um, often, again, like Russ, like Russ said, we should have we should have gone over our talks this morning because mine is really similar to his. Uh, often I hear a song like on the radio that reminds me of a passage of scripture or of a worship song that speaks to the same thoughts. Um, sometimes it's silly things like dancing to Imagine Dragons with my kids. Um, other times I play music in our house, like again, Russ was saying, that just evokes uh, the emotion that I want to be present. If we are chaotic and stressed and at each other, I'll turn on yo-yo ma cello solos and just allow the peace and the beauty of the music to fill our home. Um, and Russ is right, it does change the environment. It changes how we feel, how we think, and how we treat each other. Uh, so uh, one of the things I really love about music is I think it has a unique uh, ability to kind of express and create togetherness. Uh, I think when um, people of different walks of life come together uh, and have just one thing in common, join in song and sing together, and it doesn't even really matter what they sing so much just as long as they sing, uh, there's a kind of almost a bond created there or a shared experience of uh, an event or an occasion, something like that. Um, and I've just got a, a few examples of uh, where I've experienced that in my life recently and, and then one that was 22 years ago. Uh, the 27th of May this year was a fantastically glorious, beautiful day for uh, anyone who supports the great soccer team or football team at Aston Villa. Um, which is me, of course. Uh, I have they um, they've been well. Basically, they got promoted from the Championship to the Premiership. And if anyone knows anything about English football uh, or soccer, it's a it's amazing, a glorious thing. It looked like we weren't going to do it, and then kind of uh, the last few months they went on a tremendous run and won all the games right up to the Premiership. It's amazing. But uh, one thing I noticed was uh, at the end of the game, uh, half the half the Stadium emptied, of course, because their team lost and everyone forgets about them, no one really cares. But our team, all our fans, 30 or 40,000 people, all stayed in the stadium and just sang together as much as they could. And it was glorious because 
there's just loads of people from different walks of life. We literally had a prince, the future king of England was there, he had the billionaire owners of the club, and then just um, people who had scraped, scrimped and saved to get a ticket to the game. All just joined and sang songs. Didn't matter about the songs, they sang uh, Sweet Caroline, Wonderwall, Hi Ho, Silver Lining. It didn't really matter what the song was, they just sang to express their joy. They just had one thing in common, and that was that they were excited that Aston Villa got promoted. Uh, and for, for weeks afterwards, people were talking about the songs that they sang. Every now and again, Aston Villa would tweet out and think it wasn't something about wasn't it great. And people would reply, all I can remember is the song. I can't stop singing Sweet Caroline, for instance. Uh, another example is uh, I play in a, a band with some of the guys from church. Uh, and it's a silly band. We play weddings and events. And we put on silly wigs and we do uh, all the classics, Bon Jovi, Living on a Prayer, Scorpions, Journey, don't stop. And every now and again we get to play at a wedding, uh, or they don't stop us from playing at a friend's wedding, is more accurate. Uh, but again, when we play those songs, there's everyone, everyone like they're strangers, they don't know each other, they, all they've got in common is they know this one couple, and love this one couple, and they're getting married. But then we play these songs, uh, and people start to sing and join in with them, and there comes this kind of union, a kind of atmosphere uh, around where just strangers singing together, joining, just became one voice just for that moment and as a shared experience. Uh, and then the third example I have is kind of the opposite. It's a bit of a more uh, somber one, but it's, um, it was actually Princess Diana's funeral, like 22 years ago, what it was, and I don't know how, how many people watched it over here or if it was even televised, but one of the things I... Oh, it was? <laughs> yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> Sorry, didn't mean to upset anyone. Uh, one of the things I remember then, and you might be the same, was uh, Elton John playing a song on the piano. And even though people didn't sing along with it, there was still that kind of shared experience. We all kind of uh, entered into the song and engaged with it. And it was, it was a, a really powerful moment because I think it just kind of summed up the grief of a nation, like the shock and the, I don't know, just the, the pain of it all, really was just summed up in this one song where everybody, again, different politics, different views, uh, different races, different nations, all just came together uh, under the umbrella of this one song and sang together. And that's really actually one of the things I love about uh, church worship. Because, again, we have a, a group of people. Many don't even know each other. Many are very close friends, almost a family. Uh, we have different political backgrounds, Republican, Democrats. Uh, in England, I would say Brexiters and Remainers. We have um, rich, poor, different races, different uh, nationalities, and we all come together and we've just got the one thing is that we're, we're saved by grace and we recognize Jesus Christ as the Savior. And that's enough for us to come together and sing together. And at that moment, we create uh, like a one voice together. We become almost like a one that creates almost a unity between us, a shared experience. Uh, and then... Um, I guess many people might have noticed, I don't know, uh, some of you play on the worship team even might, I have a habit of changing lyrics in some of the songs. One of my favorite things to do is I like to change songs that are more about individuals to a collective experience. So instead of singing songs like Jesus Loves Me, I would sing Jesus Loves Us, or uh, instead of I'm Saved, it's We're Saved, just kind of making it more about uh, a community together, singing together. For that reason, really, I want us to be uh, express that we're very different, but we're united by the love of Christ, and that's why we sing together. But the flip side of that, of course, is I don't actually think too much it matters what we sing sometimes. It's just more important that we do sing. 
that we come together and we have that one voice together. All right, so I guess it's my turn. Um, so the earliest memory that I have uh, with music and singing was actually at church, and it was, I think I was like five or six, and I was singing Twinkle, Twinkle Little Song for my mom's Korean church Christmas program, and I was dressed, uh, Twinkle, Twinkle Little Star, rather, uh, and I was dressed up as a cowboy, and I didn't know how to play guitar, and I was just kind of faking it, and I had this like, so you imagine this five, six-year-old half-Korean kid up on stage dressed as a cowboy and pretending to sing with a southern draw. It was awesome. <laughs> uh, it's like, and, but that's like the earliest memory I can think of. And, um, and so I kind of grew up um, until I was like in fifth grade in my mom's Korean church. And then I started going to, I don't know, an American church, if that's okay to say. <laughs> I don't even know how you describe it, but, you know, um, and that kind of, I got plugged into youth group, like fifth, sixth grade. And, um, and so my songs are kind of correlated uh, with different stages, I guess, with my relationship with the Lord. And so um, I started that relationship at Silver Lake Bible Camp when I was in like fifth grade. Um, and it was sitting around the campfire. And at that time in my life, it was definitely um, surrounded more in kind of older school traditional like songs and so the first song that we're going to sing is you are my all in all and it just kind of takes me back to that place and i guess one of the things i wanted to share is like how m sometimes music can take you back to a place you know like a memory and so you are my all in all just kind of takes me back to that early time as a younger kid starting my relationship with the lord and, um, and then the next song um, as my relationship grew I started playing trumpet when I was in sixth grade, uh, and some of you might know Brian Bogue, but he was actually my very first trumpet teacher, which is really funny. Um, but yeah, and played you know through middle school, marching band, the whole shebang, uh, high school, um, and then I actually stopped playing trumpet when I hit college. And so me playing up here, I literally, this is the first time I picked up the trumpet in like a long time, so <laughs> it was fun. Um, but it's kind of been interwoven in my life and I'm glad that my mom made me play the trumpet, you know. Um, and I started playing guitar in middle school um, and started leading worship um, in high school. Um, and one of the songs from that time period is Open the Eyes of My Heart. We used to sing that like all the time. Um, so when I sing it now, it kind of takes me back. And like even just practicing this morning, I was like getting goosebumpy. It's like, oh man, I forgot how I, I really do like this song. Um, but just kind of takes me back to that period where um, it was really transitioning to kind of in the beginning knowing who Jesus was to um, kind of becoming more of a follower of Jesus and kind of growing in my faith that way um, in high school and in college. And then the last song is Reckless Love, which uh, has kind of more recently been more of God just kind of bringing me more into his presence and just the whole command of like loving God with everything, you know. Um, it's kind of been the thing that I've been working on this year and God's calling me into. And so this kind of like strikes a chord with that in terms of just falling more in love with Jesus and more in love with God. And um, and it can be hard to do um, with all the craziness in, in the world. But um, so that's what that song kind of does for me. Um, so that's kind of what I'll be sharing with you guys through these songs and a little bit about my music history and whatnot. Um, and I thought that it'd be fun to kind of end with... Have 
who here remembers David Letterman and his top 10 lists? All right, so I, I Googled top 10 like quotes about music. And so I'm gonna start with uh, number 10. Did he do like a, some sort of drum roll or something? Like, I don't know. I think so. If we could right. do like, if you guys could like hit your laps, like da -da 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 -da. Yeah, all right. So number 10, uh, the only truth is music from Jack. I don't know how to spell it, say his last name. Uh, all right, let's do it again. We're gonna do this for everyone, keep the energy up. Number nine, one good thing about music, when it hits you, you feel no pain. Guess who said that? Bob Marley. All right, number eight, I think music in itself is healing. It's an explosive expression of humanity. It's something we are all touched by, no matter what culture we're from, everyone loves music. Billy Joel. <laughs> that was a long one. All right, seven. Music is a language that doesn't speak in particular words. It speaks in emotions. And if it's in the bones, it's in the bones. Keith Richards. All right, here we go. Number six. If I were not a physicist, I would probably be a musician. I often think in music. I live my daydreams in music. I see my life in terms of music. Albert Einstein. All right, we're almost there, halfway. Number five, how is it that music can, without words, evoke our laughter, our fears, our highest aspirations? Jane Swan. <laughs> Number four, uh, music gives a soul to the universe, wings to the mind, flight to the imagination, and life to everything. Plato. I can, I can chase you, and I can catch you, but there is nothing I can do to make you mine. Morrissey. Number two. Without music, life would be a mistake. Friedrich Nietzsche. All right. And number one quote about music. Music is like a dream, one that I cannot hear. Beethoven. <laughs> All right, I have a bonus. <laughs> I have a bonus one. Uh, there are two means of refuge from the miseries of life, music and cats. Aww. All right, here we go. <laughs> you can remain standing. Uh, there was a lot of time and energy and heart that went into this service from these great people up here. So can we just, from the community, say thank you to them for their... I love our community and I love it when people share their hearts and we are grateful for you guys. Um, new community for our benediction. May our hearts find light, our wounds healing, and may our peace be restored. Let the words of our mouths and the meditations of our hearts be pleasing to you, O God. As we go in the name of the Father, the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen.